Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, right in the middle of the NBL Grand Final Series. Let's hope we've got a couple of more games to go still. Let's hope it's not all finished on Friday night. So plenty to get through in terms of wrapping up and previewing what we've seen so far in the Grand Final Series between the Wildcats and Melbourne United. Plenty of other news across the basketball world that we'll get through with all three of of the men that I share, I'll share i share this show with. But the one and only scoring machine, Sean Reddidge, is back this week. You're a busy man, Sean, but thanks very much for stepping back into your role because when Damo takes over, he's very happy to call himself the scoring machine. <laughs> Damo, the scoring machine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. But uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he did shoot almost fifty uh, percent one year from the three point line. Yeah, he so did. He, uh, did. He's, he, he was definitely capable. He was at times, but yeah, I, I, he, he just mentions every as soon as he hears that scoring machine mentioned, he's happy to take it because he's he's never been called that. He, Called that ever before, so he's happy to take it. So you need to you need to make sure you hold on to onto not only your spot here on the show, Sean, but that scoring machine nickname too. Well, him and I make a great player together. He does the defense, and I'll do the offense, <laughs> and uh, we'll just stay on our respective sides of the court. I think. Yeah, I think it. I think it works well. It worked well when you were teammates. That, that's for sure. And. And it works well when we're trying to decide an MVP for the, the NBL season. We'll announce who the winner is because you couldn't split Tyler Harvey and Bryce Cotton throughout the season, Sean, with the votes that you gave each and every round. And we put it out to our listeners. And before we end this show, we'll announce who our listeners decided was a winner. And also, thanks to Hoop7, one of our listeners will receive a, a special prize. So I think based on where we're based, we can probably guess who's the winner, but I think I think Bryce and Tyler, after the season they had, I think they both deserved to fight it out. Yeah, no, they were they were both outstanding, leading their teams, and uh, you know both their teams wouldn't have been in the position where they were at on the ladder with without them. So um, you know, to me, that's what an MVP is about. You know, making your team better um, and making your team a winning team as well. So um, mm. it's all true and great to throw a lot of points on the board. Um, but if they're meaningless and they don't help your team win, to me, that's not an MVP season. That's just a great individual season, but not an MVP season. And that's, um, that's why we've done the voting the way we have and and pretty Mm -hmm. happy with the the candidates. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, And, uh, it's probably what the scoring machine found during your career, didn't you? I mean, when you were putting up the biggest number numbers of your career, the team might not have necessarily been winning championships, but once you had a bit, bit of a better team around you, the championships started to flow. Yeah, it's a good point there. You know, I think there was a couple of years where I probably finished in the top couple in the league and, and putting up some big numbers, but... I, th- I think ne- you were, what, all first team three times in the end, I think? Yeah, but mm-hmm. not necessarily. And, in, in, you know, I think there was other guys, uh, you know, Chris Anstey wanted a couple of years and deserved. Yeah. Like, his team was the best team in the league, and without him they wouldn't have been there. And so I just think the MVP's got to go to someone who's elevating a team, has to be a playoff team, um, Mm -hmm. but also up into the upper echelon. 
And, uh, you know, to me, that's when, um, when you truly um, can kind of see the greatness and what an MVP is about. You know, if you go back when I came into the league, you know, sometimes they had the, the MVP was from a, a team that finished seventh or eighth on the ladder. Yeah, yeah, a couple uh, times. Yeah. And I just kind of felt like that, you know, that just didn't deserve um, an MVP award, but that was the way the system was designed. And I think it all comes out of, you may know this better than me, but it seems like it comes out of kind of that best and fairest um, mm. Brownlow yeah, AFL kind of voting yeah. system where they kind of vote every game. And if you put up, you know, you get a lot of disposals and. Yep. Then you you're, you're like even if your team loses you're likely to get votes and at the end of the year you you know you may get it but exactly. to me it, that's it, yeah yeah it's it, much easier it, to stand out stand out on a poor team than it is on a good team isn't it because exactly you, usually a good team has a pretty good spread of players like this Melbourne United team yeah I think you're you're absolutely right and uh, you know this Melbourne United team is one of the better teams I've seen in my my oh. career in, in the NBL so it's a uh, you know, they're probably not going to get an MVP this year because they didn't have anyone that really stood out. Probably Jacques Landale has been unbelievable, but, um, you know, they have so many different weapons on that team mm. that, that uh, it probably makes it hard. But, you know, I've been impressed with him uh, in this final series, that's for sure. Oh, he's, I think he's absolutely leading the grand final MVP race right now. Um, let's, let's talk about this grand final series. Before we talk about the first two games, I think it was fitting that we got Melbourne United and the Perth Wildcats, as it turned out. It would have been, I think, a bit of a letdown if we didn't see these two teams fight it out because they'd been clearly the best two teams all season. Yeah, I think so. It, you know, in the end, it was it was going to be most likely these two teams. Um, only uh, some probably injuries would take that away. But uh, Illawarra Hawks gave it a fight. Mm-hmm. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix gave it a fight. But uh, the two... Most deserving teams are, are in the grand final. It's a shame we don't see them. Um, you know what a wildcat team with with Bryce and Clint and and, and all the injuries that they're they're having at the moment. It's a shame we don't see because I think it really could have been like a five game epic grand final yeah. that that uh, I think everyone really expected. But um, credit to the Wildcats, they're battling hard. But Melbourne United are just too good at the moment. I think it caught everybody by surprise when we found out. I think it was this time last week that Luke Travers wouldn't be playing, at least in game one. He didn't end up playing game two either. Um, how much did that surprise you when you found that out? And and how much did you think that was going to have an impact on the Wildcats' chances? Well, he, he was almost... He was he was ready to be given handed the keys, I think, to the offense, really. Yeah. I mean, he was the only yeah, guy that can, uh, outside of Blanchfield, that can kind of go and create their own shot. So you kind of feel like... As great as he was in that semifinals, they were going to really rely on him, especially with potentially out uh, Clint Stondel as well. And then, mm. uh, and obviously, he's been out these two games, so it's uh, it, it's a shame because we we're kind of really seeing a blossoming star. And uh, you know, who knows what a, a fantastic grand final series could have done for his his draft stock down the. Fo- down the track as well so yeah um yeah it's it's a shame i i think uh i think basketball fans even if you were a melbourne united you wanted to see what the a young luke travers could do against this star-studded melbourne united team you've you've shared the court with him you've played against him a little bit in the sbl or in the nbl one as it's now known um 
Did you always see something pretty special in him when you when you saw him up close? Look, his just his length and athleticism, um, mm. and he was a good passer and um, had had really good instincts. And so you just kind of felt like if he kept working, developed that three point shot, that uh, he could be something special. I wasn't quite sure that he was going to be this good this early. Mm. You know, I thought it was going to probably be another year or two. Um, but then he started the year in the starting lineup, um, had some ups and downs, but, uh, you, you can see he's a better player for it now. And, uh, he's probably better than I thought and yeah. having an impact at the NBL level quicker than I thought as well. Okay. So let's go to game one. Um, I think it was a pretty brave effort in so many ways from the Wildcats, especially what Mitch Norton was able to do virtually on one league once, once Clint Steiner was also out to join Travis out, and they had a they had a pretty good look. Um, once they forced that turnover at the end, the three point shot that Jesse Wagstaff attempted was not a not a bad look to to have a chance to force overtime in a game where they're so undermanned against such a such a deep Melbourne team. It was a it was a pretty brave effort, but ultimately I think it took a lot out of them at the same time. It did. It was probably just that little bit of the start of the third quarter that kind of really yep. hurt them. Outside of that, I felt like the Wildcats. Um, had control of that game. And, uh, you know, a few shots that just rimmed in and out in that final two or three minutes as well. I mean, it was a great atmosphere. I was there, RAC Arena, and uh, just the the groans from the crowd when that, that mm-hmm. three from Jesse kind of rimmed in and out. I think everyone actually knowing Jesse and how many big shots he's hit in his career thought that that was going down. It was, uh, I'm sure, Melbourne United's heart stopped for a little bit as that ball was in the air, but uh, credit Melbourne United, they found a way to win. They, you know, they played through their big guys in the second half, and I thought that was a, a big difference. Um, seems to be when they go away from that, it gives it gives the Wildcats a chance. But when when they play through Lola Chul and Jacques Landale, it, they're mm. just uh, you know the size of the Wildcats are having trouble to uh, to match it at the moment. It's interesting, isn't it? We've seen a couple of times that. That Jock has really enjoyed their matchup with John Mooney. He feels like he he can he can post him up and and score pretty much at will against John Mooney. And we haven't seen anyone else in the league do that. But it's just the confidence that Jock has, where I think he really wants to prove a point in this series. Yeah, he's got a little bit of edge about him. I don't yeah. know, we talked about that going into the grand final, but um, he has a little bit of an edge and. Uh, you know, there's been some reports that, that the NBA was calling during the year, but he wanted to, to stay and see if he could finish and get an NBL championship. So credit to him um, for putting the team first. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, people taking notice of his performance throughout the year. And, um, you know, if you're on a fan of any other team other than Melbourne United, you're, uh, you'd be glad to see Jacques Landale go to the NBA, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think he belongs there, or at least deserves a chance. Um, biggest difference from Game 1 to Game 2 for the Wildcats was Todd Lansfield. He was terrific in Game 1, especially in the first half with, I think, 21 of his 27 points. Um, Melbourne really locked down on him in the in Game 2, and, and he couldn't he couldn't couldn't find, find his shot at all. 3 of 19 he ended up going for. Um, is that just the life of a shooter sometimes, or do you think Melbourne did an especially... An especially good job in game two to to shut him down. Well, look if I if if I'm a coach and I'm looking at this Wildcat team, there's you know no Clint Stondel, no Bryce Cotton, uh, Mitch Norton's running on one leg. There's 
Mm -hmm. You know, Luke Travers is out. There's one guy that, and Mooney's not really a scorer. He's going to fond his drips and drabs here and there, but he's not Mm -hmm. kind of that put the ball in the hands, I'm going to go get you 30 every night. Um, But we see Blanchfield has that capability. So you're just going to lock in, make someone else beat him. And, uh, you know, they, the scout was right. They, they just did not leave it almost a little bit like what other teams do, um, to Bryce Cotton Yeah. yeah. in that they just, they, you, no help. You're just staying with that man and you're going to fight over all screens, force him to, to put the ball on the ground. And look, if he, he gets a couple layups or hits a couple mid range jumpers, you'll live with that, but you got to take that three point shot away. And, uh, Melbourne United did a good, did a really good job. Um, I felt Blanchfield probably needed to force a few shots, um, mm. but it didn't really get any good looks to kind of get his rhythm going. The other thing we've learned so far in this series is that he might not always shoot at the best percentage, but there's no player in the league that hits a shot at the right moment, in the big moment, like Chris Golding, and he's proving that once again. Oh, he's been outstanding. Uh, to, in, yeah. in game one, I thought he was actually the difference. Um, yep. Some of the shots he took and hit were just tough. I mean, very few players Especially in the league on, on half-time and on three-quarter time. Those were massive. Those were. I mean, to give them, I think it was an eight-point lead going into the fourth when yeah. you, you kind of felt like the Wildcats were right there. They battled back after having a poor third quarter. Um, but that that three-pointer, um, and, and in the end, that was the difference, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it came down to three points, and... Um, you know, and then Udebaba hit one in game two <laughs> from half court as well. <laughs> yeah. So all these uh, little shots add up, and that's the difference between, uh, you know, potentially holding the grand final trophy at the end of the series or not. So after these first two games, Melbourne have won them both. Um, I feel like they probably feel like they can play a little bit better offensively, but the Wildcats have made the games that way to make them that defensive grind-type matches because that's the, the only only way they can give themselves a shot. Um, now, both games are in Perth, so that's the end of the series in Perth. Um, how important would have it been for Perth to at least get one of these games games at home? Do you feel like it was a, a killer blow for Melbourne to, to take both games in Perth? Yeah, well, I mean, it, the Wildcats are... It was always going to be an uphill battle against this United team. Um, and then the fact that... You're losing um, some of your best players, and then you know to lose two games at home is uh, yeah, that's a, a tough pill to swallow. And uh, now you got the task of winning three games on the road. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. I you, you're never going to count a Wildcat team out, but uh, I think it's going to be extremely tough for them to. Uh, to back up and get three wins straight against this Melbourne United team. Mm, absolutely. We'll, we'll get your, your official tip later on in the show, Sean. But um, just some other news floating around the basketball world right now. Let's, start, let's stick with the Perth Wildcats. Fascinating news about what looks like becoming the new ownership with Jack, Jack Bendat willing to pass the team on. And it looks like... It's the Sport Entertainment Network, which is headed up by Craig Hutchison out of Melbourne. It it runs the SEN Radio Network, um, runs a, ho- a whole bunch of other um, media properties, um, and is also now um, a part owner in Melbourne United, which makes this extra fascinating. Um, when you found out that they are now likely to become the new owners of the Perth Wildcats, what, what was your reaction? 
I I was actually quite um, surprised at it. You know, I just kind of thought the history of the Wildcats, how ingrained they are in the WA community, I just thought someone from WA would put their hand up and want to take on Mm. that legacy. Um, But then to fawn not only someone from over east, but someone else that's already got ownership in another (laughs) team – yeah. Um, and then that team who they're playing in the grand final, it's a, mm. uh, it's an interesting development. Um, obviously, uh, I know the board at the Wildcats are, are doing their due diligence and, and making sure that, uh, you know, the, the iconic club, the Perth Wildcats is, is going to stay that way. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought that was, those, that was interesting. I, I, I thought for sure there would be some, some WA ties there mm. um, to kind of put their their hand up um, to to take on the Wildcats, um, especially with I mean, there's no other club in in Australia sporting landscape that has the record that the Wildcats do. So um, you know, credit to Craig Hutchinson. Uh, mm. Looks like you know possibly completing a deal for an iconic sports uh, sports franchise. Yeah, it does look like it's going to go through. You know, pretty soon after the. The series has finished. The talks have been put off during the grand final series for pretty obvious reasons, but it looks like it will happen. Um, are you comfortable with it? If it goes ahead, are you? Do you think you would be okay with it once it's all settled? Look, I, I don't know um, Craig Hutchinson, so um, mm. so it's kind of hard to to um, speak from that point of view. Um, I guess from my point of view, I, and we've seen this. You know, Kesselman obviously took over. Brisbane and, and he was the owner of Melbourne United but I think this is a different scenario I mean Brisbane was kind of struggling and they just needed someone to keep them afloat the Wildcats don't need someone to keep them afloat um, they are uh, a solid so if that is the case I would like to see just be the ownership of the Wildcats like through all you know I don't mm. see how you can be a part owner of another club as well uh, to me that that doesn't um, that doesn't isn't the best case scenario for the NBL. I don't know how that's going to play out, but that's yeah. what I would um, would like to see. If you know, you, if you're with the Wildcats, you're all in. And yeah. uh, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if they become 100 percent owners of the Wildcats, then I think they have to sell their their share of Melbourne United. That's what would make me feel comfortable. And I'm sure I, you, you know, you don't know, but I'm sure that would probably have to be the case um, mm. for it to get approved with the league. Knowing, I mean, I just think you got too many different variables there, and um, but I guess we'll uh, we'll see how that one plays out, Chris. Mm. Yeah, we will. Um, now we've seen one of the coaching vacancies in the league field. Brisbane Bullets have appointed James Duncan. He was a Sid- Sydney Kings assistant coach the last couple of years. He came out with Will Weaver. I understand. I don't know a lot about about him. He comes with a good reputation. Um, can you tell us much about him? Do you do you know much about him, Sean? I don't know much about James either. Um, you know, I've never interviewed him. You know, I've seen him on the bench over there um, mm-hmm. next to Lamanis, And, uh, you know, must have impressed uh, the Brisbane Bullets ownership group yeah. um, quite well. I mean, that's, that's some big shoes to fill. Um, Andre Lamanis, obviously, national team coach, um, has had some success there. Obviously, hasn't been able to get them to the grand final yet but um you know i think that there's some there's definitely some things that uh lamanis has built there and and i'm sure they're excited about you know kind of a new direction possibly and and building some new uh new blood see if they can take that 
that next leap to becoming a uh, a grand finalist. Hmm. Have you heard any whispers about the Sydney Kings coaching job or the Cairns Taipans job? Apparently, at least according to Andrew Bogut, who's now a part owner of the Kings, they they have signed their new coach. They just haven't announced it. Have you heard any whispers about about who who they might be? I haven't heard anything. I, you know, looking at that job, you would think a, a guy like Matt Nielsen would um, would be a prime candidate. Obviously, yeah, being absolutely. a Sydney Kings great yeah. from uh, from New South Wales, he's got that connection with Bogut, being teammates on the Boomers. So, um, you know, you know, Matt Nielsen is the uh, G League coach over in the NBA in the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. So, I'm not sure yep. that he wants to uh, leave that position. But, um, you know, I know that it was always, uh, you know, a dream of his to eventually become a head coach in the NBL at some stage. So, mm. um, you know, I'd have to think he'd be one of the, the front runners for that position, that's for sure. Yeah, that would be a sign that would make a big splash. So um, we'll, we'll keep our eyes out for that. We might have some news on that when we come back next week. Um, now, you mentioned the boomers there. That leads into one more thing I wanted to discuss before we move on to our, our next segments on this week's show, Sean. Um, before we talk about the squad, that's now down to a 17-man squad, and they're about to meet um, ahead of... They're about to meet for their first camp over in the US ahead of the Tokyo Olympic Games. Um, all of the talk about Ben Simmons. Um, what, what do you make of it? If he chooses to not go to Tokyo, can you understand? What are, what are your thoughts on what's now become a pretty, a pretty controversial subject with Ben Simmons since the 76ers were eliminated from the, the NBA playoffs. Yeah, look, it, it'd be a frustrating uh, time for Ben Simmons. I feel like he's in a no-win situation. You know, obviously, mm. if he if he uh, decides to not play for Australia, then there's going to be a lot of people upset about that. Um, and if he doesn't go and improve on his game then uh you know what's going to happen there there's still some question marks is he going to stay with the 76ers or not uh you know personally i just think i'd love to see him play for the boomers he hasn't you know hasn't played in the national stage with the boomers yet and uh you know you look at a guy like patty mills who just whenever he gets a chance man he is gonna throw mm. on that that the green and gold and wear it with prod. Um, I'd like to see Ben Simmons just come out and say, no, I understand I need to get better, but I also understand I've uh, got a duty to, uh, to represent my country. And, you know, I got a text the other day from the Olympic committee saying, you know, happy Olympic day. You're one of only 3,900 people in all of Australia that have represented <laughs> Australia at the Olympics. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty special. It is pretty cool. And you, you yeah. just think about that. I mean, there's only 112 players per team. I believe 12 players. Only 144 players mm. in the entire world get yeah. to go and play at the Olympic Games. You've never done it. Go give it a shot. Because if you go and give Australia an Olympic gold, mm. um, you'll be remembered forever in this country. I mean, his status in this country will increase tenfold. I mean, obviously he's already quite possibly the greatest um, Australian 
player that's played in the NBA, just at what mm-hmm. he's accomplished already. Yeah. But if he yeah. goes and, and can do that, um, I'll just think, uh, you know, something he, he won't regret. He won't regret that. And, mm-hmm. and, and let's be honest, he's been working on his shot for how many summers now? Every time I see it, four or five, uh, yeah. working on his three-pointer, he's going to come back and well, maybe do it at the international level, and you know cool. you could still go get some shots up. I'm not saying you can't practice, but um, I'd love to see him represent Australia. That's that's just my personal mm. belief on it. It's really creeping up. the The Olympics starts July 25th for the for the Boomers. It's it's only a month away. It's 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 scary how close it is. I it's a little bit surprising to me. It's that close. So we're not far away. So this. This squad that is getting together under Brian Gorgian, it's now down to 17 men after Brian Brokoff and Isaac Humphreys have decided to to pull themselves out. Um, so I'd like to go through the 17 men left, Sean, and you give me a yes or no if they'll make the final 12-man squad, and let's see, see what sort of a 12-man squad we come up with. We, let's start with Aaron Baines. Yes. Um, Xavier Cooks. No. Mitch Creek. Undecided. Yeah, we might have to come back to him. Matthew, this is a tricky one too. Matthew Dellavedova. Yes. Another tricky one. Dante Exum. No. Josh Giddy. No. Chris Golding. Yes. Josh Green. No. I think we're almost down to our 12 now if we pick everyone from here. Um... Joe Ingalls. Yes. Nick Kay. Oh, that's undecided as well. Yep. Jock Landale. Yes. Paddy Mills. Yes. Brock Modem. Yes. Drop Wreath. No. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know a lot about him still. Um it's hard for us to decide on Ben Simmons because I think it depends on if Ben Simmons chooses himself, so we might leave him. Nathan Sobey. No. Matisse Thibel. Yes. Okay, so that is... How many have you got confirmed? We've got, we've got Baines confirmed. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... You've only got eight confirmed, Sean. We need to make some. We need to make some more calls. So, uh, I think we're we we include. What if we include Simmons for now? And you can you can. So if you include on. Simmons, that's nine. You include Nick K. Yep. That's ten. Mitch Creek eleven. Yep. Then we've then, got, then the, the ones that you ruled out. We've got we've got Cooks, Exum, Giddy, Josh Green, and Drop Reith and Sobey. Oh, yeah, I think it's just those, it, then it'll just come down to what you kind of need yeah. for your team. You know, um, the reality is the 11th and 12th man probably not going to play a whole mm. lot. Um, probably similar to, to my role when I went to, <laughs> to Beijing. So, um, you still play some handy minutes. You played handy minutes. Yeah, but I, you know, I was, I was behind two or three guys, um, yeah, sure. at that three, four spot. And, and I understood that, um, yeah. You know, you got to, uh, it was about coming in and providing energy. So who's going to, mm. you know, probably if you're looking at that, Exum um, yep. is probably the one that can kind of bring energy and play a few different roles. So if I had to pick another one, it would probably be Exum. Um, and 
I'd probably be thinking if Simmons doesn't go, I reckon Giddy gets picked just because he's that extra ball handler. That's probably the way I'd see it. Yeah, and you, you know he is the future as well. So sometimes, mm. you know, back in '08, um, Ingles was selected. He was kind of, um, you know, he was going to be the future as well. He he wasn't going to play a lot of minutes in in that campaign, but to give him some experience. Um, so you might look at Giddy as well as as just getting some experience, looking um, to kind of be more impactful uh, in three years' time at the next Olympics. Either way, whatever the final 12 is, do you think that's a squad that should be coming home with a medal? Oh, absolutely. I think that mm-hmm. they're, you know, it's um, the most NBA guys, most talented. Um, it's a shame that Bogut didn't play one more year yeah. and was able to uh, to kind of end his, his incredible career with a potential medal. Um, obviously, that's, you know, out of, out of anyone's control, but... Um, yeah, he's probably one that um that I would have loved to seen play one more time, and you know Bain's probably going to get the majority of the minutes there, but um yeah. you know just Bogut's experience, leadership could have been uh, could have been huge there, but um, you know look for Patty Mills to not mm-hmm. only be uh, be the leader out there, but also uh, you know potentially a flag bearer. Yeah, there's um, been a lot of talk about that. Yeah, you know I think he would be you know as much as prod as he has in Australia and. Um, I, you know, I think he would be a worthy uh, recipient of that. Yep, totally agree. Okay, Sean, let's wrap up that first segment. When I come, when I come back, we'll have a chat to Damien Martin, thanks to Boomerang. Then I'll have the tap touch preview with Matty Knighton, and I'll be back with you, Sean, the scoring machine, to wrap things up. Okay, back here with Damien Martin on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Thanks to Boomerang. Damo, look like you're having a lot of fun. Even though the Wildcats lost those first two grand final games, it looked like you're having a lot of fun courtside. What was it like being part of part of the series in such a different way? Oh, looks can be deceiving, mate. I always shout at the inside. <laughs> it's actually in game two. Oh, look, it's been a great season. It's been a lot of fun learning how to, you know, be a courtside commentator. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, I had no training in whatsoever. And then in one piece, you get the earplug in, and all you can hear is the commentators that are back in, you know, Melbourne commentating, and you've got that on the highest possible volume so you can hear them above the roar of the Red, mm. red Army. And then meanwhile, you're walking in front of supporters, and occasionally you hear your name called out. You're like, wait, did someone just say my name, or was that, you know, homicide in the studio? So it was uh, taking a little bit of learning, getting used to uh, my role with the TV program, as well as trying to step away from being a previous Wildcat, because the reality is you're supposed to be unbiased on air, but I don't think that came through at all. I think everyone knows exactly who I'm going for every game, and seeing game two in particular, you know, that, that hurt. I just thought the Wildcats were being so, so impressive with the personnel they've got. You know, you do need luck to win a championship, and part of that luck is having everyone play their best basketball at the right time of the season, and more importantly, being healthy, being out there on the court. And uh, I know they've got that next man up mindset, but Bryce goes down, you know, Travis steps up, Travis steps, goes down, Steinle steps up. Now, you know, he's gone down. Nord has been playing through a busted hip, and you just look at the playing group and have nothing. We can't help but respect who they are, what they're doing. Um, 
with the injuries and adversity they're facing. But in saying all of that, Melbourne were minor premiers for a reason. And they're showing what a quality team they are. And just when it looks like the Wildcats might, you know, get back in the game or even take a lead, all of a sudden Goulding hits big threes or Landale makes a big play. You know, we saw Baba step up and was great at both ends. Uh, Barlow, some crucial threes in, in uh, you know, the third quarter of that first game. So that is a very, very, very talented team. And to be there courtside, seeing it in front unfold uh, has been a real privilege. Have you seen anything like this run of injuries, though? Losing Bryce is one thing, and, and that was a bit of a freak injury. But then for for Nordo to be playing through what he's playing through, and then Travis to be ruled out, and then his replacement, Steinle, to hurt his groin pretty early on in that game. And even Jesse Wagstaff's clearly not 100% either. Have, mm. you, have you ever seen during a grand final series a team have such a run of injuries like this? Not, a, not during a grand final series. The closest I can remember was regular season and we flew to Sydney and actually had none of our starting five play. <laughs> and of the starting five, I was the only one who flew. So Casey Braver, uh, Jermaine Bill, Nate Jawa, uh, and I think Maddie Knight or whoever it was back then, yeah. all stayed in Perth. I flew with the group. And we lost to a Josh Childress-inspired Sydney Kings. But that was, you know, regular season. And the reality is, had it been grand final, all five of us would have played. You know, it was niggling injuries that they were trying to monitor going into the postseason. So it's just yeah, so unfortunate. All completely different circumstances than how the injuries occurred. But at the end of the day, it, it's happened. They can't change that. And, you know, in a few hours' time, they will be out there trying to, you know, postpone or at least push your series to a fourth game on Sunday. Have you got any late mail? When we recorded last week, we just found out that Luke Travers had been ruled out. Have you got any idea about his availability and also Clint Steindl for for Friday night's Game 3? Nothing from within the playing group. Uh, I I believe Travers is more of a chance than Steindl. Norto would definitely play. But, you know, until I see the final playing roster that suits up and he's out there, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up about anyone returning. Mm. You know, Clint with a a groin... Clint's groin and, and, and Luke is an upper calf, you know, minor tear or whatever, not quite a tear, strain, sorry. So I think the risk was too great to take uh, in games one or two, you know, all by the story I would have torn. Uh, you know, after a couple of weeks off, hopefully that strain is now strong enough to get out on the court and, and play and play safely and hopefully he can do what he was doing, you know, in the semifinals and the fourth quarter of game, you know, game one. Or sorry, the fourth quarter of game mm. three in the semi. Is there any chance that Bryce just gets out there on the court for 15 minutes and sits in a corner and jacks up some threes. I, I never thought I'd say this because of how out of shape I am, uh, but it's actually better with me out there, not contributing <laughs> whatsoever than Bryce right now. It's just how bad Bryce's court is. So that's just a very good he's got. He's still got a limp. He can walk on it, but it's a limp. So unfortunately, as brave and as tough, and as much as Bryce would like to be out there, it's, uh, it's not going to happen. Now, is there any chance, how do you see this series playing out? Does it finish on Friday night or can the Wildcats somehow extend it to a game four or even a game five? Yeah, it's definitely not a done deal that they're going to get swept. It's hard closing out a series in saying that, you know, Perth have played incredible basketball without all these players and still haven't gotten over the line. So, you know, even though a closeout game is always a really tough one, in particular when you're trying to sweep a team, because even though you can do all the talking you want and say, Let, let's win that championship, let's close them out, the other team this season is done and dusted if they lose, so they're going to come in and have that little bit extra chip on their shoulder, reason for the motivation, 
and that does favour the Wildcats, but it's just whether or not they can actually get it done with the troops that are available mm. uh, against a team that's at full strength. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, you've got a, a team that on paper is one of the best we've seen in a number of years. Yep. But it's a team that has had a lot of success against them in Melbourne during the regular season, but they're a much different team now to the one that was last in Melbourne getting a win over United. So I think just lack of personnel uh, due to health is going to be the reason why Melbourne will eventually win the series. It's just a matter of whether it's done tonight. And I do hope the Wildcats get the win. No team deserves to be swept, and with how brave they fought, I'd love to see the Wildcats push it to a game four and, and even better a game five. But you know, Melbourne, I think in the end, are going to close out this series at some stage. It's just whether it's you know tonight or games four or five. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I couldn't help but feel for that Illawarra Hawks team that you swept a couple of years back that was coached by coached by Bebo. Um, did you have a little bit of sympathy for them, just how emphatic your sweep was that in that series? No. <laughs> um, this one is slightly different. You know, has that Illawarra team been without... You know, I remember when Kev Lish was injured, you could tell, and I did have sympathy at that stage. Uh, when we beat Illawarra and they had Rodney Clark, you know, Rodney Clark still dropped 34 in the, in the final. He was incredible. So it's not like there wasn't a good performance. But the year where we did sweep and Kev Lish was injured, that's where you do know deep down that yeah, you've won a championship. That was great. Uh, but obviously they're a different team when they got a full strength, Kev Lish. Mm. Um, now, a couple of quick things, Damon, before I let you go. Now, Scott Machado's in town. He's playing NBA One West Basketball with the Mandrio Magic. Is there any temptation yeah. for you to come out of retirement and, and make his life hell on the local, local scene? <laughs> not at all. I'm not lying when I say that I sweat just walking to the car these days. <laughs> I've, uh, I've enjoyed my recovery from the, uh, the full Achilles reconstruction, but I haven't been the most disciplined with it. So I'm, I'm so glad that Scotty Machado's out here. It's great for you know, the NBA One West. He's going to be great for Mandra and basketball within the region. So, yeah, I'm happy to sit back and uh, just be a fan of what he's doing for them while he's wearing a, a Mandra jersey. But once that turns back to a canned one, he's uh, opposition again. It's quite a sight. I saw him I'm so, I saw him play last Saturday night. And you have a look at the Mandra bench, and he's playing alongside Jeremy Grace, Ricky Grace's son. And then he's coached by Aaron Traher, who played over 400 NBL games. Ricky Grace is there. Assistant coach, it's it's quite a sight to see that on a on, on a state on a state team. That really is incredible. I mean, you're talking about Ricky, who's one of the all-time greats. Aaron Traher was probably the greatest junior Australia's ever had. I remember there was a story where the boys were at the Olympics, the Boomers, and I think it may have been Jason Smith, and he was talking to Stephen Marbury and asked Marbury, you know, who's the oh sorry, Stephen Marbury came up to Jason Smith mm. and was like, hey, uh, the greatest player I've ever played against. He's Australian. Do you know a guy by the name of Aaron Traher and whatever happened to him? Yeah. And Jay Smith was like, that's amazing. You know, the under-22s Australian yep. team, Traher really was special. Obviously had a great NBL career, but as a junior in particular, he was world-class, one of the best for his age group mm. across the whole globe. So, yeah, whenever you hear Traher's name, that's one of the first stories I think of. Uh, so, in that, yeah, those guys all in their prime would be the greatest mm. backcourt the SPL has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, of a coaching right now, but you know, it's pretty cool to go to a game just for that fact that to see three greats out there um, in whatever role they've got. And despite all of that, they still couldn't get past the Wilden team they played and Damien Scott and Michael Vigger, a couple of your old teammates. 
Yeah, I've seen Scotty got named uh, Player of the Week. He can flat out score the ball. Yeah. Scoring the ball is uh, Scotty's problem. So I love that he's still doing what he loves. You know, Papa Viggs, as we called him, he uh, you know went out to Europe and was playing professionally over there for a number of years. And, and since COVID has come back, and uh, he's, I feel like for 10 years he's dominated the SDL. Uh, and to see him continue to do that now, that he's a little bit older. Uh, you know, I, I love that those two guys are still loving basketball and playing and getting a win over, you know, a guy that's in his prime and, and you know, one of the best players in the NBL, let alone the NBL, you know, one. Yeah, but Viggs even won the championship with Sean at the Redbacks a couple of years back, so it's been a been a fascinating story. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch base with you about, Damo. Um, a lot of talk about Ben Simmons this week since the 76ers got knocked out of the NBA playoffs about if he should or shouldn't play at the Olympics if he wants to or if he doesn't pl- want to play at the Olympics. It's, it's amazing to me to think that the Olympics is now only a month away, so this is all going to develop pretty quickly. Well, what's your take on it all? Firstly, for Ben and the criticism, the scrutiny, the amount of ne- negativity he's faced because of his performances mm. in the finals, in particular what appears to be a lack of confidence within himself, in particular getting to the free throw line and avoiding getting to the free throw line. No one, no one knows how tough that would be. He's a world-class superstar, you know, across the globe, not just for basketball, you know, David Kardashian. He's a household name, and he has just been copying a beating. And so until you're a kid, you got to remember, he's still young, early 20s. You know, until, you know, you've lived that, I don't try and, and take for any second that I know what he's going through. But on top of that, you know, he he really hasn't experienced the boomers' culture. So he's making a decision, unfortunately, that's not a necessarily an educated one because once you're in that program and you see how much it means to Patty Mills, you know, Delvadova, Baines, you know, all these guys, it becomes contagious. And I, I think it'd be the best thing for him with all this negativity and, and he's probably lost a bit of passion for the game right now. With everything that's going on in his head because of, how hard it is on him right now. I just, you know, would love to see him playing for the Boomers, if, if anything, just to enjoy the game again. Because being in that group, you get caught up in national pride. You, you love the game. You know, guys bring you in tight. There is a genuine brotherhood that he probably isn't feeling right now because, you know, MB throwing him under the bus, you know, coaches essentially throwing him under the bus. That wouldn't happen in the in the Boomers group. So... I would love love to see him play it, and I think once he has a taste of Boomers basketball at that level, you know, he will just make sure he puts his hand up for any tournament he can be available for because it is so special. So purely from, you know, put aside the fact that he would significantly help the Boomers' chances because he's still our best basketball player, just for him as a person, I'd love to have seen him, you know, play so he can bring back a bit of joy to a sport that he's still one of the best in the world at. And I think it is more above his head than it is, you know, technique or anything. And you can work on that within the, the playing group of the Boomers campaign. So, yeah, we, we'd love to see him play for a number of reasons. But unfortunately, I don't think we will. And, and as harsh as it sounds from people saying, you know, how selfish is he? Or why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? You know, at the end of the day, I think it's a, a, a kid that feels like the world's on his shoulders, the weight of the world's on his shoulders. And he's made a decision which he thinks is best for the club that, really has made him a multi-millionaire and household name, so it's, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow as a Boomer supporter, but one I understand, but wish he was making a decision under, under different circumstances, and one I doubt he'd make had he been involved in this Boomer's program, mm. uh, program previously. Yeah, and I guess the, the, the timing of it probably doesn't help 
just because I don't think he would get really get an off-season if he does go, and maybe that's what he feels like he needs more than anything. But, yeah, I mean, I think we all, would all love to see him there, but, um, gee, we, we don't like to see how he's been treated either, so it's a it's a tricky, tricky situation. What I want to do, Damo, is come back next week and get your 12-man Olympic squad. We're down to 17 at the moment, so next week I'll get your final 12 and match it up with, with what Sean's picked as his final 12 and... And see see how we go next week. We probably we, well we definitely will have our NBL championship winner as well. So we look forward to all of that. But for now, Damo, let's wrap it up. What are you expecting to see tonight? What what are we looking out for tonight? Yeah, I think you're going to see another very brave performance by the Wildcats, and then I think they're going to do enough to, to stretch it to Game Four. But uh, I do fear that, that that might be as far as they get, just because the depth and the sheer talent of Melbourne on their home court might be too much or uh, injury-depleted Wildcats. And, and Melbourne, like I said, though, minor premiers, I don't want to take anything away from them or what they've done all season. And I think uh, between Landau and Goulding, they're going to be too good and they'll hold up that trophy. But I think Hart will get the Wildcats over the line tonight. All right, we look forward to it. Thanks for joining us once again, Damo. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and big thank you to Damien Martin for joining us once again. And now, from one NBL legend to another, it's now time for the Tab Touch preview with Matty Knight, the three-time NBL Championship winner, one of the greatest power forwards the league has ever seen, a fantastic career that Matty Knight had. I'm sure you all have fond memories of what he did on the court, and I'm sure you're all enjoying his insights here on the show so far this season. Thanks to Tab Touch, and we'll have a look at, at what has happened so far in the Grand Final Series, but also at what's coming ahead. Friday night is Game 3 of the Grand Final Series, and thanks to Tab Touch, big outsiders for the Perth Wildcats to force it to at least a Game 4. So Tab, Tab, Tab Touch has the betting market right now, $1.25 for Melbourne United to make it a clean sweep and to take out this NBL Championship, and $4 for the Perth Wildcats to win the Game 3 in Melbourne and send it to a Game 4. So check that out and much more at TabTouch, tabtouch.com.au. All of the betting markets for this Game 3 of the NBL Grand Final Series and they've been our great supporters. They're a fantastic West Australian company. We couldn't be doing this show without their fantastic support this season. They've attempted to help us raise money as well for the charities of Matty Knight and Sean Redditch thanks to our multi-bets throughout the season. That hasn't quite gone to plan but thank you to tap touch for their ongoing support and make sure you support them in turn head to taptouch.com.au remember to gamble responsibly and right now i'm about to be joined by maddie knight himself okay i'm with maddie knight once again on the tap touch preview how did we find you this week maddie as we're recording this it's a beautiful day outside and i'm sure you're enjoying some family time yeah now um busy week with kids sport, uh, but uh, yeah, enjoying this beautiful weather. Um, not so much on the Monday when it was a crazy <laughs> day. Everyone might have been back home in Tassie, but uh, no, very lucky over here in WA to have this weather. It's funny, isn't it? I, I grew up in Geelong. You grew, you grew up in Tasmania. A, a cold winter's day in Perth is pretty much a, a warm winter's day that I remember back in Geelong. I remember I had to wear 
when I go to school in the morning, I have to wear my big snow jacket. I'd have to wear a beanie. I couldn't leave the house without without that back back when I was growing up. And I'm sure you were the same. Oh, exactly. I think uh, a cold winter day is nearly a, a summer day. Tassie, <laughs> so uh, a lot of my friends have said they've never seen me wear so many hoodies before. So uh, I've definitely become a used to this WA weather. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's it's a funny one, isn't it? I guess once you once you get into it, you you start to become accustomed to it. But yeah, um, I still remember just how cold it used to get, and I've never I've never felt the same sort of coldness since I've been been over here. And I'm I'm sure you're you're the same, and it's probably a big reason why you're probably probably unlikely to, to leave WA anytime soon. I assume, Maddie. Oh yeah, definitely uh, not leaving WA. Cheryl's <laughs> already put a foot down with that one. Uh, <laughs> I've taken it back to Paddy once, and it was. Uh, not even winter, and it was freezing cold. So uh, yeah, she put a line through Tassie. So um, yeah, now it's definitely down here in WA, and we love it here. So uh, yeah, definitely would look to move anytime. Well, you you did put put um, to bed any thoughts of joining the Jack Jumpers as well when I asked you earlier earlier in in the year. You, you so that that was quickly not not a possibility. Um, but it's exciting to have a Tasmanian team. In the league, and it's only now—it's only three months away until we're probably going to see them play for the first time. That's how quickly the turnaround is going to be. We talked about Mark Bradford being on board as an assistant coach, and that's exciting. Um, now that we're starting to see some players re-sign with their clubs, and free agency could start as early as next week. Now that the grand final is about to finish, is there anyone that springs to mind that you'd love to see play for that Jack Jumpers team? It'll be interesting. Um, obviously, uh, they're going to have to try and recruit some uh, big names. Mm. You want to you want to come in being competitive straight away, sure. especially in new market. Um, you want to get the fans behind you, so they're going to have to try and recruit some uh, big names. Um, I'd love to see a uh, K come back, mm. or he, he could build a club around him. Um, I was speaking to my uh, dad, and even though he's uh, contracted to Perth for a couple of years, I'd be going after a Luke Travers. Yeah. That's, that's someone you could build a, a franchise around. He's a franchise-type player, and um, if he was out of contract, he'd be one of the first ones I'd be going for. Uh, even though he's young, there's a lot of potential there. So. Absolutely. I think you need, you need a, a Nick K-type player. Um, goes down, does his role each night. Nothing uh, too um, serial athletic about it, but mm. he, just, he gets the job done oh, every yeah. week, and that's what you want. Um, and then if you can put a, a good guard around him, um, yeah, it'd be a starting block for a competitive team. But I'm just excited to uh, see that it's actually come to fruition as a Pazzy team in the league, and it's getting closer and closer to who we are. See who they are. Their first signing is. Yeah, and uh, I guess the Phoenix have shown a pretty good blueprint. They've been competitive straight away, and they, uh, I guess, they've built their team around Mitch Craig. Nick K would be similar, wouldn't he? He's someone that you could do something similar, similar with. Oh, definitely. You can, um, you can run offense. He doesn't need the ball a lot, yeah. but when he gets it, he makes special things happen. So he's definitely a good type guy. You'd be trying to put pen to paper. And if you get him, then it's going to get more people, other players wanting to come play. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they, who their first signing is. They've done well off the court. Um, mm. Obviously, the coach. Just, and then you get Mika Vicona in. Yeah. About, uh, it's 
culture and leadership, and there's not probably no one better than him. So they've done well off court. Now it's time to see what they can, uh, who they can get signed. Is it important to have some veterans as well? Um, I guess two that spring to mind would be Brad Newley, who's now parted ways with the Kings, and Adam Gibson, who's obviously got Tasmanian links too. Would a couple of guys like that be handy to to just add that veteran leadership? Oh, you definitely need some uh, veterans. You can't go all young. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Newley would be a good one. He's played at the highest level in Europe. Um, he's represented his country at the Olympics, so he'd be perfect to mentor some of those young up-and-coming uh, players. There's a few down in Tassie. I think I think they're heading to college, though. But um, there's some actually really good talent down in Tassie right now. Um, so he'd be perfect to mentor. But uh, I imagine he'll end up in Adelaide. He's an Adelaide boy. Yeah, he is, um, yeah. Probably going to go fin- finish his career off in Adelaide. But he'd be perfect um, just to uh, help with that uh, development. And... Um, start the franchise up and going. There's a lot of talk about Kyle Adnam potentially going there and also Isaiah Liafa, but they've now both re-signed it at the South East Melbourne Phoenix. The other one that springs to mind um, was up at the Cairns Taipans, their development player, Tad Duffelmeyer. He's played in Tasmania before in the NBL1. Um, he got his chance at the Taipans, and now that now that Liafa and Adnam are off the table, and he hasn't been a full, fully contracted player at the Taipans, I'd be throwing a fair bit at him. Yeah, I think he's actually down in Hobart right now it playing be, yeah. for the, the NBL1 uh, Hobart Chargers. So uh, it's a good opportunity to play in front of the head coach week in, week out. And so, yeah, um, I'm sure they'll be looking at him and using him. Why not sign him? He's already down there. You see what he does. And I think he's playing uh, pretty basketball right yeah. now um, when he has been. Well, this is a lockdown and whatnot, but he has been produced. So I dare say he's probably one they're looking at. One from left field, and then we'll get on to the grand final series. Matthew Delavadova hasn't spent a lot of time on an NBA court the last the last two years, and I'm not sure if he's going to be in the NBA next season. Is there any chance we might see him down in Tasmania? I wouldn't be surprised. A yeah. lot of people have talked about it. He has said, I believe, that when he finishes he wants to come back and what a perfect opportunity to come to a new franchise mm. and you've got Mackie Delavidova to be the face of the franchise that'll get people in Tassie excited absolutely um, there will be too many times Tassie kids had opportunities to meet an NBA player so you can get Kelly and Nick Kay and then mm. you're well and truly on, a, on your way to building a, a great roster absolutely all right, we'll keep an eye on those movements. And as I said, the free agency um, market will open up pretty quickly after the grand final series has finished. So let's get on to that. When we spoke last week for our Tap Touch preview, Maddie, we thought the job was well and truly ahead of the Perth Wildcats. Once you found out that Luke Travers wasn't going to be playing, how much tougher did that then make the job for the Wildcats? Oh, yeah, I already faced an uphill battle with uh, then you lose probably best player in the semi-final yeah. series right before game one. That was a massive loss and it just got even harder and harder. The bodies are, they're just running out of bodies right now. Obviously, Steinl, Mitch Freud, mm. and um, Mitch Norton, he's 100%. So, um, they've played extremely well. Um, I think a lot of people thought it would be a, a whitewash. But, um, go down by three points, nine points, against a uh, fully fit 
Melbourne United team. And a lot of credit. I mean, as I understand, they just don't have the bodies right now. Um, and then you go on the road down to Hill. Um, tough task, but I know that first Wildcats, old spirits, they're not going to give up. They're going to go there and give it all. And um, a lot would depend on Steindl, Norton, uh, Travis. They're not suited up there. Um, I think it's over Friday night. Yeah, I mean, as you touched on, not only did Travers not not play, but then in the first half of the first game, he's his replacement in the starting lineup, Clint Steindl, heard his groin as well, and he's he we haven't seen him since, and and clearly Mitch Norton's nowhere near healthy. But in that first game, some of those loose balls that he still die for, the defense that he still was able to play was was pretty special. It gave the Wildcats a chance and. You just wonder how much you can you can keep that up for. I mean, they're, they're just so down on manpower. This is the worst team to be down on manpower against because Melbourne's clearly the deepest team in the competition. Do you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just been a horrible run of luck. You, you can't really put it down to anything else when you throw in losing Bryce Cotton too. Yeah, exactly. Um, the wrong time of the year to get all these injuries. A lot of teams had it earlier in the year. Yeah. Perfect cases, unfortunately. Um, come back get them right at the end and the most crucial time but you got to give Perth full credit you know, even though they're down 0-2 they've they're competed and I think a lot of people when they've seen Travers out thought it would have been really ugly but um, they had the fans behind them but uh, yeah, I think their task is sort of a whole lot harder now that uh, going to Melbourne you're down 2-0 and Melbourne's going to be in front of their fans and they're going to want to um, finish it at home yeah. um, they're going to want to finish it Today, oh, on Friday, sorry. You, you, don't, um, you don't want to drag it out if you're them. You don't want to give the Wildcats a sniff, do you? Nah. Like, first game over there, it's three free hits, so there's no pressure on them. Everyone's expecting Melbourne United to win easy. Um, but yeah, I, I just think if the three guys can't play, or even if they do, they're facing up to a battle, but yeah. if, if they're out, then yeah, they're in, um, there's no chance. Wanted to pick your brains about the battle of the big men so far. I think clearly Jock Landale's been the best big man of the of the series. Um, how have you seen that battle? Yeah, no, he's definitely been dominant player in the series. Obviously, Chris has had a good series, but was it 17 rebounds on yeah, the yep. game too? I think he's probably out rebounded the first two bigs himself. He has, yeah. Yeah, he's probably the finals MVP right now, and I imagine have that same mindset in uh, game three. Yeah, I think he was pretty motivated when he was left out of the top three MVP voting for the season, and he's shown why he belonged to be in that discussion. Interested about John Mooney. Clearly, he hasn't quite been the same player since Bryce has gone out of the team. How important as a big man is it to have a have a guard that you have that chemistry with? How much easier does it make your life if you've got a guard that you can, can work closely with? Oh, it makes a massive difference, fortunately, yeah. Bryce is a draw so much attention that allow opens up other guys. Yeah, he's uh his numbers have been quieter. He did come out to that game two. Well, he wasn't his best, but he needs to come out in game three and be more aggressive and that's what you want to hear, but I think uh Josh be fired up. Um says he was upset about the top three and now he's showing why he's probably the premier big in the competition. Okay, so game three Friday night, Tap Touch isn't giving the Wildcats much chance of extending this series. So Melbourne United, $1.25. dollars 
The Wildcats are $4. Do you see any chance that this series goes beyond Game 3? No. I, I think Perth are given their best shot. They're underdone with their injuries. I just, uh, yeah, I don't think um, Melbourne's going to want to finish it. And so, yeah, I don't see going past Game 3. Mm. How much of a relief is it that they get for Melbourne that they get to play play at home and in front of home fans. It would have been horrible if this was a, a closed stadium. So at least five thousand people are there. That's a, that's going to be a pretty nice feeling for them to to get back home after. I know they didn't leave Melbourne for a long time during the season, but they've now been away for more than a month. So I'm sure they're going to enjoy getting back home. Yeah, they're definitely going to enjoy getting back home. You know, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy for them. Obviously, a lot of people are quite upset. But they didn't leave home that whole <laughs> yeah. pretty much January, February period. Mm-hmm. But you can only handle or play what's given to you. And the league decided they wanted to have the Cup in Melbourne. Well, that's what it is. But um, you'll give them credit. They've been on the road the last month, went into the season, and it's probably brought them together. Um, they're playing some really good basketball right now. I think I was reading an article by Dave Barlow talking about how it, a lot of there's like six fathers on that yeah. on that team. It'd be tough being away for a month. But he said probably uh, brought them closer together, which has allowed them to play some pretty good basketball right now. And um, they'll be excited to get back home to their families in front of 5,000 fans. You want to end it on a Friday night, mm-hmm. celebrate in front of your fans and with your families. And is that what you expect to happen? Do you think they'll be celebrating that that championship on Friday night? I think so. Um, I think Perth will give it a crack in the first half, but then it just become a numbers game. And Perth right now just don't have that depth, whereas Melbourne do. And uh, like we talked about, Melbourne had a lot to play for. Um, yeah, there's nothing better than winning a championship home in front of your home crowd. Mm. And... Um, even though it's five, only 5,000 fans, I imagine they'll be uh, getting um, pretty loud inside John Kane Arena. In fairness, that's probably more the home fans than they've played in front of most of the season. So we might be lucky if we get to 5,000. I was going to say, they haven't um, drew uh, big numbers mm. this week. And, um, I don't know if there's any footy on Friday night at MCG. So, I think there's Richmond um, St Kilda. Yeah, uh, so it was the Richmond game. They're going to yeah. draw a big, only twenty five thousand. Melbourne haven't had footy fans for a while, so they can get back to footy. But um, I hope they get five thousand. Yeah, they would grand final game three chance to win on yeah. your home court and watch probably the last NBL game of the season. So um, be interesting. But yeah, it's definitely are uh, no matter how many fans they get, I think they'll be celebrating on a Friday night. Yeah, I think so. And I think, in fairness, they've been the best team all season, haven't they? We we heard we heard what Jock said coming into the season, how we thought that this was a team that could go through undefeated. They didn't quite do that, but they have been the dominant team all season. I think they're if they win the championship, they they probably deserve it when we we look back. Oh, definitely. Um, the, the team they have is probably one of the top best teams on paper, and I guess they have been one of the best teams all year. And, um, they do deserve it. Um, obviously, like we said earlier, that yeah, they got probably easy with being a um, travelling February, but they've had to do it at the end of the season and they got through. So, full credit to them. And um, 
getting asked. They definitely uh, do deserve the title, even after the Jocks. I'm trying to beat it. <laughs> it's, they got a lot of people uh, up and about, but um, definitely uh, he's fourth through his morning uh, end. And I think if he has another game like that, uh, the uh, MVP, for sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely. All right, Matty, so thanks for your insights there. We'll come back next weekend and see see how it, how it all shaped up. Um, what's this weekend looking like in the night house for household? Full of sport once again? I think so. I think tomorrow uh, afternoon, my daughter's got a basketball at Coburn Arc, and then we're straight off to Oldskip. They're playing Friday night under the light. Will that be the first Friday night game for them? Yeah, for yeah. my daughter and wow. son. Yeah, no, they're very excited. Mum and dad, not so much. Cold as they find at night. But no, they're very excited. Then Saturday, I've got my personal plane, and Sherelle's got a Pilates, and Mia has the under eight Tango's game at Wilson. So it's mm. another busy weekend of sport at our household. I'm sure you're looking forward to it, though, at the same time, Maddie. So we look forward to seeing how that plays out. We look forward to seeing how the grand final plays out. and. We'll be back next week with more from, from Tab Touch. Sounds good, Mikey. Okay, back here now on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Thank you to Damien Martin and Maddie Knight for their insights. I'm back here with the scoring machine. Let's get your thoughts now, Sean, on what's going to happen the rest of this grand final series. Firstly, Game 3 in Melbourne, John Kane Arena sold out. They sold all 5,000 of their tickets. Um, firstly, how much of a relief is it that we're going to get to see a game in Melbourne for the team that has earned that right to play in front of their home fans? Yeah, I think it's uh, well-deserved to them. They've had to play a lot of games uh, with no fans, so... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you win a, a, a championship and you don't get to celebrate with your fans, uh, you know, it just kind of, I'd imagine it just wouldn't feel the same. So, you know, I, as hard and as well as the Wildcats are playing, it's um, it's going to be tough for them to overcome this Melbourne United team with, with so many holes um, in their team at the moment that, and when you're playing for, you know, expect the Wildcats to come out. They're going to play hard. We know that. Um, I think it's going to be close in the first half, but I think Melbourne United, um, as we've seen in games one and two, will probably pull away and, and probably being at home as well and knowing the grand final and um, on the lawn that uh, mm-hmm. they'll be able to draw some energy from their home crowd, just like the Wildcats did yeah. in game one and two, probably played above themselves, just the fact that they're playing at home and, and the crowd's uh, – cheering them on but I, I think Melbourne United will be too much um for the Wildcats I you know I'd love to see it go game four game mm-hmm. five I just with I just don't know if they can score enough points um yeah. you know I credit Wildcats the way they're battling I mean they're they're playing it as well as they can they're trying to keep it low scoring slow the game down make it a battle which you have to do when you can't you can't outgun someone um, but you can't, you're not going to be able to rely on Kevin White knocking down four threes in the mm-hmm. first half every every game. And so, uh, you know, unless a big game from Blanchfield, but I, I just think Melbourne United are going to lock in on him and, and be able to get this game three and, uh, you know, finish off the season uh, 
with with a grand final victory in, in a championship. Now Melbourne has confirmed that Joe Luola Chul's right to play. He so the knee that he hurt on Sunday is okay. Have you heard any news about Clint Steindl or Luke Travers? There's been nothing official about their availability that I've seen just yet. Well, my understanding, Travers is uh, kind of a you know has to pass a fitness test. I think Steindl is a, a long shot to play. Um, yep. And the other one is Jesse Wagstaff will play, but he doesn't it's look 100% calf, out there as yeah. well. He's been wearing that calf sleeve. And, um, you know, it's interesting the the lineups that Trevor – he's actually been going to Bearstow after, um, you know, on that second look, uh, rotation and then yep. putting Jesse in almost more not till the second quarter. So that tends to tell me that Jesse's not 100% either. So, you know, you, you got – you know, a couple guys out there on one leg, and uh, without your MVP, and then you've got a couple big, uh, big time scores and big time players out as well. So it's, uh, <laughs> I- I've never seen this many key players out for a grand finalist in my time. I don't know about you, <laughs> me, Pikey, me, but yeah. um, this many, and they're just and. Is that because we played so many games? I mean, we had that hub where you're playing 36 games. Um, Potentially, because they're all soft tissue injuries, aren't they? You know, and and the flying, and I know, um, you know, every team had it tough. No excuses. Um, But I do think you've got to, you know, sit back and look at the actual schedule and figure out is that, that, you know, because no one wants to see – yeah, unless you're the team you know, fan of of the other team mm. that's playing a, a a team with half half their team um, lining up, but um, you know, I just would have loved to seen a, a a fully stacked Wildcat team against a fully stacked Melbourne United team because yeah. I thought you know I think we would have, we would have had a down to game five and it would have been yeah. an awesome spectacle um, yeah, for, for basketball this country. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I guess we'll never know. But hopefully, we're back to normal next next season. Um, we don't have to, you know, rush as many games all in a condensed period. Um, so that, that, let's hope we can get back to some sort of normality. But um, what we did see was some standout players this season, Sean. And you you awarded your votes in our Hoop Seven MVP award each and every week. And you couldn't split Tyler Harvey and Bryce Cotton in the end, so they both ended up on 46 votes apiece. So the only fair way to decide our Hoop 7 MVP for this NBL season was to let our listeners decide. So we put it to a vote, and it was just about just about unanimous, the, the, the end result. It was a 96% result in favour of Bryce Cotton. Probably not a, not a huge surprise. So he is officially our Hoop 7 MVP. MVP for the season. He was the NBL's official MVP. He was also the fans' MVP. So I think, in fairness, Bryce was pretty much the standout player this season, Sean, wasn't he? Yeah, well deserved. He uh, he was outstanding. He you know he had the ball in his hands a lot. He had a huge load to uh, to carry um, for the Wildcats this year, and just keeps getting better and better. So congratulations, Bryce Cotton. Um, you know, he just keeps getting better, better. I don't know. Uh, you know, he's going to have to build a lot of mantles and, and trophy, a big trophy room in his house when his career is all done, said and done, I think. Absolutely. But speaking of prizes, we have a, our major prize to give away. Thanks to hoop seven. You'll be receiving your special gift card to go and spend at hoop seven just for voting. So we've put all of the names of people who voted 
for our MVP winner into a, into a draw. And right now, Sean, we're about to pick out the winner. So we'll start with a drum roll. And all the names are in a hat. I'm about to press the button and the winner of our Hoops Heaven MVP prize, I think he voted on, I think it was on Twitter. His name's Harpy. So we'll get, we'll touch base with you, Harpy. Thank you to everybody else who voted and you win your special gift card at Hoops Heaven. You'll, you'll find no trouble at all being able to spend that and enjoying whatever you, you purchase. So it's nice to be able to re- reward our, our listeners, Sean, and, and you know better than a- anybody that he'll have no trouble spending his money pretty quickly there at Hoops Heaven. No, absolutely. And may I suggest look for a Phoenix Suns <laughs> jersey um, in celebration of what I'm hoping is a Phoenix Suns grand final victory um, NBA championship coming up. Still got a little work to do. Lost to the Clippers today, but uh, I think once Chris Paul gets his legs back, we'll be in good shape. Well, there you go, Harpy. Take, take the advice from the scoring machine. And perfect segue, Sean. That is how I wanted to end the show this week. So thank you to Boomerang for bringing us Damien Martin once again. Thank you to TapTouch for bringing us the preview with Maddie Knight. But, of course, thanks to Hoop7 for bringing us Basketball Hustle once again. And thank you for providing that prize for our MVP winner. But, Sean, the Phoenix Suns, they're two wins away from getting to the NBA Finals. Um, you're, you spent a, a fair bit of time in, in Arizona, obviously became a, a Suns fan as a result. It's been a long wait, um, similar to me in some ways with the Detroit Pistons. At least I got some good news this week with the number one draft pick. But how excited are you that you're so close to getting to the finals? And based on what's happening in the East, the championship is a real possibility. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if the Phoenix Suns and Atlanta Hawks mm. get to the... The NBA Finals. I mean, no one would have predicted that going into, <laughs> no. especially going into the hub. I don't know, was even the Hawks in the Finals last year at the in the uh, hub they have down there? I know Phoenix or Phoenix they, went. They eight, might, you're right. They might not have even made the playoffs at all. Phoenix Suns went eight zero in the hub, but no one even thought. I mean, they were an average to below average team a year ago, and now we're sitting. Um, it's just you know one player. One coach comes in, change the culture, um, can do wonders. So uh, you know, if you're a uh, you know a Kansas Taipan supporter, or you know, there's hope. Uh, you know, if the Phoenix Suns can go from being a below average team to uh, you, you got to think that they might be even the favorites at the moment with with the Hawks up 1-0 in that series. All right, oh, I think um, you're right. I think you're right. I, yeah, I think you know the team they don't want to play is Milwaukee, but. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if the if the Phoenix Suns have a chance, that'll uh, be exciting. And the only the only downside would be I wouldn't be in Arizona to uh, to <laughs> celebrate. But um, you know, give a few fist pumps over here in Perth if uh, <laughs> if it happens. Uh, it's 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 exciting. It wasn't that long ago where you watch the NBA and you think that there's really only probably the real superpower teams, the Warriors and and Cleveland when he when LeBron was there. Um, we really only watched the regular season to just get to, get to the finals, and we knew who was going to be there. They they got there three years in a row, and we thought that it was only these superpower teams that could make it. But I mean, really, all I guess the Clippers in some ways is a superpower team. But you know, the Nets didn't make it, the Lakers didn't make it. A lot of these big money spending teams haven't made it. And I I'm pretty excited by the four teams that we've got left. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at those teams, and uh, it's been a long time since some of them never won a title, and mm-hmm. uh, others it's been you know 30, 40 years. So yeah. uh, someone's going to be uh, excited that uh, you know, and those fans have kind of stuck through. Uh, it's a bit similar like yourself. If the Pistons ever get back up uh, <laughs> up to the top, the ones that have stuck through are going to appreciate it even a little bit more when uh, when they have some success. Absolutely, it's no fun being a being a bandwagon jumper. I've never I've never <laughs> never agreed with that philosophy in life. And obviously, you haven't either. Else, you might have jumped off the Suns a lot bit before this, but now you're being rewarded. So it's been a good show, Sean. Thanks for joining us once again on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. Thank you to Matty Knight. Thank you to Damien Martin. I'm Chris Pike, and let's get the final word from the scoring machine. Well, thanks, Pikey. It's been uh, a you know interesting final series. I, I, you know, I got the chance to uh, go sit in the crowd and um, and kind of one of the, probably the first time I've really seen. Yeah, I've been working um, for the league and, and wasn't doing the final series. Got to sit in the crowd. It was awesome just to see mm. the passion. Obviously, as a player, you get to feel it when you're on the court, but to be up there and see them rooting and cheering and booing and um, it, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you just kind of sit back and you see how important sports are in in in, in everyday life. And uh, you know, it was fun just to kind of see it from that perspective. Kind of had hadn't seen that at um, at, at the NBL level um, for the Perth Wildcats, so that was fun for me to 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 be a fan, take my son to the game, take my daughter um, and Gretchen, and uh, just go and enjoy, uh, you know, the spectacle that, that NBL basketball and the high level. So, um, that, that was fun. And, uh, I can see why it's so popular, um, with the fans. It's just such a great game and, and you're always entertained and the game guys by so fast. So, um, you know, sometimes you just need to be rewinded of those things. And, uh, it was, uh, it was great to be a fan, uh, for the grand final on Friday and Sunday last week.